Hi, everybody, and welcome into another episode of the Comics Experience Make Comics podcast, the show where we talk about the nuts and bolts of making comics. My name is Joey Grow. I'm joined by Comics Experience's Andy Schmidt, who also wears the hat of publisher of CEX Publishing, who also is a writer of comics you know, of video games you know, of secret projects that you don't know, and probably right now could have just been done, let's say, writing a bill, uh, writing an invoice or a check for uh, plumbing. I think that's that's how the week has gone. I definitely did just finish writing a check for plumbing. <laughs> just did not, did not, did not earn any money with it. Did not earn any money. Check. It was not, but, not on your schedule for the week. But I did earn running water in my home. So <laughs> I, there we go. It's a trade-off. Always that's you. how That's how commerce works, kids. You and your fancy, I need my water to run in my home. The segue here uh, into a talk about lettering is the way that you put it is thinking about people's time and lettering is is kind of it's on it was on our discussion on our brains because there was some conversation floating around twitter about when to as far as the writer as far as the artist as far as the letterer when to do lettering passes in in each of those stages and and after lettering is complete do you do a lettering pass and the way that you put it was you know, being mindful of, of other people's time. And, you know, f- comics, that the large swath of comics from creator-owned to work-for-hire, you know, there are different workflows and there are different timelines and different budgets. And it, it seems like just this is me anecdotally from what I've seen, not having worked in the trenches at larger companies like you, a lot of times lettering and coloring can have to get caught up from writing an art in terms of if there's a solid deadline of, hey, we're going to, you know, we got to ship a book every month and this is when it ships. A lot of times it's the letter and the colorist getting the last minute, here's everything versus a, a different kind of schedule. So there might not even be time for a lettering review, you know, by the, by the writer. But big picture, you know, for, for what I think would be useful for listeners is talking about when lettering passes matter and how to think about that workflow. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I've given this a lot of thought and part of it has to do, honestly, not just, I mean, yes, the, the main priority is just being respectful of the amount of time you're asking somebody to spend on something for what you're paying for. So like the unfortunate case is um, the art comes in and, hey, we got to get it lettered quickly. So you send the, the art and a script to the letterer. Um, you should also hopefully be sending in balloon placements that either an editor or the writer or the artist have done. Uh, my preference is the artist um, puts balloon placements into their layouts mm-hmm. so, so that that way the art is designed with word balloons in mind, um, which I think is really helpful. But um, if your artist has not done them or has not provided them to you and you know threw them away or whatever, then um, <laughs> you know an editor or writer can, can do them. Um, and so, so in theory, you would be sending art placements, you know, drawn on the art for where you think the balloons should, should go and how they should flow and lined up with your, your script with all the dialogue and captions and whatnot. And then the letterer would take those. So unfortunately what happens more often than, than I think it should, uh, cause maybe, ne- maybe it should happen this way. Never is that an unvetted script goes 
to the letterer with no balloon placements. Mm. So the letterer, who is not being paid more for this, is doing their own balloon placements, is lettering a script that's going to change uh, through no fault of their own. Um, and then creates this thing, sends it in, and then has it rewritten after they've lettered it, causing them to essentially re-letter the entire you know, project. That is the that is not a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it asks it, it basically it's like every extra bit of time that your letterer spends. And this is true of any other freelancer, right? Colorist, penciler, even your writer. Um, that that isn't going towards the final product or could have been avoided. Um, you're essentially lowering their pay because they're spending more time for no additional payment. Right. Um, so one of the ways, if you're a young editor working at a publishing company that is hiring letterers, one way to get on a letterer's nice list is to make sure that you're always providing a script that has been edited after the art has been in. Um, typically that's done by the writer. So the writer will do a pass on it. Just make sure, Hey, that facial expression doesn't quite line up with what I'd written here. Let me tweak it this way. I'll be really good you know, whatever, so that, so that that script is, is vetted. Then, you know, ideally your editor would take a read through it, make sure there's no grammar mistakes, catches anything like that. All right. So just before, yeah, just before to, it goes to the letter, I was going to say, just to be clear, you're saying writer writes the script editor or in if creator own case, uh, maybe goes directly to the artist, but writer goes to our uh, editor, editor gives notes. They get a draft that goes to the artist. Artist does pages pages go back to writer who can then take a lettering pass. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the ideal. Right. Yeah. So because things change in the art and some, you know, sometimes, you know, I've had artists like add a panel cause they wanted to have like a reaction shot, um, you know, to something that, that wasn't specifically called for in, in the art. I'm like, that's great. But it also looks like you should say something. She should say something there. Right. Um, or sometimes, you know, things that you write on the page, like you realize like, oh, actually on the page, that's, you know, now I'm seeing the art. It doesn't quite work or flow the way I had it in my imagination. Not that there's anything wrong with the art, but just like it doesn't quite, you know, once it's all there, it's it flows a little bit differently. So you want to tweak that dialogue or, you know, and it gives you a chance to like if, um you know, you called for something in the art and it's in there, but it's not as prominent as you kind of feel like it should be. Like you can tweak a line of dialogue to like draw attention to the thing in the background or, you know, there's lots of little, there's lots of little tweaks you may do for various reasons um, through there. So then, yeah, the writer goes through it and then hopefully an editor gets to take a pass. Um, someone on that creative team has done balloon placements, which are just drawings of where you think those balloons should go with a little pointer to who they point to all that kind of stuff. And then that would all go to the letterer, which means that the letterer isn't going to have to re-letter because you didn't do any of those things, right? So a lot of, if you don't send balloon placements and you don't send an edited script that's been reviewed after the art, then the lettering gets turned in, the editor, maybe, you know, the, the creators, if they're looking at it, you know, comes back with all these notes. We don't need this word balloon. Um, could you cut the, these lines of dialogue? Oh, this dialogue balloon should have been pointing at this other guy, but you don't know that because we didn't send you balloon placements. Um, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. There's, there's a bunch of misspelled words or this writer doesn't like commas. So here's a bunch of commas that now need to be put in. And every adjustment is time. 
So if all that stuff is done, which the editor realized that in this scenario, the editor is not spending extra time because they're, they're having to do this anyway. Right. Um, so, and part of the editor or the writer or the artist's job, somebody in there should be providing balloon placements um, to the letter. There are some letters who want to do their own balloon placements. You can always ask that question. If they want to do their own balloon placements, that's, yeah. that's another issue. Um, but, you know, if you're tending to work for like the bigger publishers, like generally you should provide balloon placements. And if you don't, and the balloons are in a place where you don't really like them, then you may just be going like, move these balloons over here, over here, over here. Well, if you provided me with placements, they would have been there to begin with. So, um, and that's not to say that there aren't going to be changes asked for on a lettering pass, even if all those things are provided. Um, there will just be a lot fewer of them. Um, and that's okay. Like it is expected that, that when a letter or letter is something that there will be changes. It's not like, you know, it's not like they dust their hands off and they're done, but it's just being mindful, you know, the same sort of thing too, with like with color artists, you know, if there's new characters, if you can give a color guide or at least a a description that says like, yeah, it'd be ideal if they're in basically this color scheme or something like that. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's helpful just because then they don't like color something. And then you come back and be like, yeah, could, could she be in red pants instead of yellow pants? Um, you could have just asked for that to begin with. So, you know, it's all of that kind of thing. And honestly, when you're going, anytime you're going back and making changes, the whole process just gets longer that way. And a lot of times it's easy to convince yourself, oh, I'm saving time by, by getting this moving. Like as an editor, if you're working, if you're like an editor at Marvel or dark horse or DC or wherever, like uh, there's a lot of stuff going on and maybe you can't get to that script that day or until that afternoon. So maybe you're thinking, well, this way it still gets moving. Like work is still being done, but if you're skipping over your step in the line, that's not great. Um, now I'm not saying this is easy, (laughs) (laughs) um, but it, but it's, it's ideal. And, And a lot of it just has to do with organization and being good project manager um, and some editors are great project managers, project managers. Some editors are great storytellers or great, you know, visual storytelling. Some editors are, are good at all three, you know? Um, but there are editors who I would never think like, oh, we should, you know, that person shouldn't be editing. Like they're, they're really great at aspects of the job. Um, but project management may not be their, their strong suit. You know I mean? Uh, and you don't want to, you don't want, you don't want a homogenous line of editors either, but I do like one of the things that I tried to do. Um, and even since I've left Marvel and I started becoming an independent creator, like I definitely learned this even more is being respectful of other people's time and trying to minimize the amount of work other people have to do when there's something you could have done to avoid it yep. for them. Sure. Uh, it goes, a, goes a real long way. <laughs> Uh, and just seems like being nice and also being professional. You know, comics, like a lot of things, are a team sport. And it, it's hard. It, the money aspect uh, coming into, you know, any project and any job that's creative can, <laughs> you know, how much time can you put into it? Well, how much am I being paid? You know, or or the the debate about, 
uh, do you take a project on and charge a project fee versus an hourly rate, you know, or a page rate? I'm thinking more in, in the world that I work in most of the time as, as far as the uh, production side goes. You know, I, I see different arguments about each aspect of, well, you're coming off a base rate anyway, so you just charge by the hour. And, well, you're client problem solving, so it should be X. However you arrive at your price or what budget you're willing to take on the project, there is a diminishing sliding scale of time of, hey, cool, you know, I can throw a lot of my time at this because I'm being compensated, I'm behind the project, you know, all the stuff that goes along with there is budget. <laughs> but, right. you know, not not to say that everybody's mercenary and is starting the stopwatch at every turn to go, no, you know what? You said it was going to take me 60 minutes. It took me 70. So I'm going to charge you. It, it's tricky because obviously you want to do business with people. You want to keep doing business with people. You don't want to be somebody that uh, folks feel like, well, they nickel and dimed me to the point of it, it just, it wasn't worth my time either. I do think people should get nickel and dime, you know, in, in the, the grand scheme of things, because, you know, you're not doing it free. You're, you're being paid to do it. And I understand, though, that jobs are also competitive and you want to do good work with people that you like and want to work with. So it's, you know, I, I get why people might take the changes more than they should or not have a lot of pushback. Uh, but it's it's tricky, I think, if you haven't done comics before, because I was this, you know, I, I've talked a couple times about the couple that I've done. You know, the first time I ever saw somebody do a rough pass at my script was so illuminating, an art pass to go, oh, just from what I was doing, you know, how I was thinking about my job as the writer working with an artist, much less getting to that lettering stage uh, where you're, the art informed so much of what I went back and trimmed, you know, tried to cut down and also anything that might need explaining differently or a different kind of setup. But the, you know, the flip is I need to understand how much I am paying a letterer you know, what that rate is, how much time they're going to need to letter. And if there are changes, you know, can I make them as sparingly as possible? And I get that, you know, if somebody is involved with a couple of comic, uh, producing a couple of books per month, they're going to have more limited time than I am with, you know, my one comic. This is the one thing I'm focusing on right now because I also have uh, my my other job and family and whatever else. So I'm not balancing five books. You know, I, I don't have to have that at, that a writer or a letterer, or a colorist, or editor might have. Most artists, I don't think, balance five books. So I'll leave the the art the art team out on that that side. But you know, for I mean, for practical advice, I, I don't know that there is any kind of hard fast rule. How would you suggest to somebody that's an incoming uh, comic creator that you're talking to? to think about that, you know, cause you're, you're paying X amount or they're being paid X amount somewhere in the process, whether it's you or it's coming out of a different, you know, work for hire. How would you advise someone to think about interacting with a letterer and what they need to do, whether they're the writer or the artist? Well, you know, I think most letterers would like to be brought on like earlier in the project rather than at the last minute. So, um, so they can, ask the right kinds of questions about, you know, what type of book is this? Can I, you know, it gives them time to think about, you know, the font choices and balloon style choices and things like that. So just involving them in the creative process is, is helpful in and of itself. So that's number one, because it just makes you feel, feel valued. And, and it makes you feel like your work is respected 
because you got brought in early to, to, to talk these things out. Right. Um, uh, so that's sort of step number one. And then step number two is, you know, keeping them updated and letting them know and talking about the process that they want. You know, like I said, there are some letters that I've met that are like, I, I really enjoy doing my own balloon placements. And sometimes I can even work faster that way. Most that I know are not, don't feel that way. They'd, they'd like to have the balloon placements. They might find a better way to do something on the page. Right. Um, in which case, you know, most of them feel empowered to at least take a stab at it. Right. Um, you know, so I think that the thing is just making sure they're included and agreeing on the process. Right. Um, you know, if you're fairly inexperienced as an editor or as maybe as a writer that's sort of managing the project and paying for everything, which is a fairly common scenario, like you, I might, I might encourage you to talk to them and be like, look, I'm going to do everything I can to, to give you a script that's ready to go. I'm fairly new to this. Like I'm going to make mistakes and I just want to make sure you're cool with not that I hope to be doing a lot of lettering changes or anything after the initial pass, but I'm still learning. And so there may be more than you're accustomed to. Um, but then also saying like, look, if you've got advice, you know, or if you see a better way to do something, then, then go ahead and do it. Cause chances are I'll defer to you because you've got more experience than I do. Right. You know, certainly at lettering. Right. So I think it's, you know, so many times it comes down to communication. Um, so even if you're just upfront that like, yeah, this might be a little bit more work intensive and that's okay. You know, and, and often you'll get a little like something back in return, like, well, um, okay, but just realize I'm not able to hop on everything the minute you give it to me. Right. So that's okay. But it might be a few days before I can get to it. I just want you to understand that, if, you know, if you need a little bit more of my time, you got to be a little bit more flexible and that's all. Um, you know, so I think, you know, the, those, those are really the key things is just be honest and real with each other and, and, uh, you should be able to come to terms or at least have no surprises. Yeah. Right. I do work, I do work with a letterer that, you know, occasionally I've asked, uh, I've asked them to do a little, like something extra, a little above and beyond and they'll, they'll go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to charge you for that. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I would, I wouldn't expect you not to, you know, as long as the charge is reasonable for what I'm asking. And yeah, you shouldn't feel like you have to give away your time. Like you are providing a service in a, in a commercial setting. Right. Um, and like you were saying, like there is, there's being paid hourly and there's being paid per page. And those are not the same. Those are not the same thing. Um, you know, when I'm doing consulting work for larger companies, I'm almost always compensated hourly because if I give them deliverables and even though we've got a scope of work with, with all these different milestones and all this stuff written down in good detail, if they don't have to pay extra for something, they're going to ask for it. And then it is that client relationship thing. How much do I give them that I'm actually like, how okay am I with spending <laughs> that extra two hours that I could be doing something else that does earn me actual additional money, but I'm not because this is an important client. And like, that's just not a fun position to be in. And, and a lot of times the person making that ask doesn't realize that that's the ask that they're right. They don't, you know, so like, I, I don't get angry at the person unless it's egregious. Um, and even then I don't usually like blow up at them. I should just go, okay, we're, we're not working together again. And then I move on. But, um, 
you know, it's just that kind of a, it's that kind of thing. It's all, it always, for me, it always comes down to, am I asking them to do something that I would not want to be asked to do? And, uh, that's kind of my litmus test, you know, for what, it, but, you know, I've certainly asked people to do favors. I, if I'm asking, if I'm asking somebody to go above and beyond and I can't pay them more, I'm at least upfront about that. And I am, and I am essentially asking them for a favor and there is an I owe you one here if you, if you'll do this, you know, and then I try to make sure that I, I'm either recommending that person for work uh, or, you know, I'm, I'm look actively looking for another gig for them, whether it's with me or with somebody else, you know, um, you know, or if I've got a couple of gigs that are coming up and, you know, one's going to be fairly easy. One's going to be pretty average and one will be a little bit tougher. I give that person the easy one mm-hmm. because they helped me out last time. You know, like it's, it's little things like that. You may not even know that, that I'm trying to, you know, pay you back, but I try. Certainly I do the best I can. Um, you know, a lot of, so much of this is just, man, you know, it's just managing people properly. But, but the ideal is to not put yourself in a position or get yourself in a position where you have to ask for the favor. You have to ask somebody to go above and beyond. In the case of letters, the, the most effective way to do that is make sure that the scripts are completely vetted, vetted, that there's balloon placements. Uh, everybody's seen the art and you're giving them everything in the best shape you can you can give it to them right at that time that's really the key and also giving them enough time to you know, fit it into a normal workflow the other thing that letters get hit with all the time that you start off with is here's the book i need it by the end of the day <laughs> and there's an editor two doors down from you they called the same letterer 30 minutes ago and said the same thing and there's an editor across town at the other company that did the same thing to the same letter. I mean, they get hit with these kind of requests all the time. So if the more organized you can be and the more organized you can get your your whole creative team to be, no matter what position you're in, whether it's the editor or not, um, the better off, you know, the better, again, the better relationship you'll have with the letter. Like, I mean, the number of times that I called a letterer and a colorist up and said, here's everything for the issue you have three weeks <laughs> that didn't happen very often. Right. right. I tried to give people two weeks and in most cases it was, you know, one. Right. Um, you know, and there were certain, certainly cases where, you know, I, mean, I remember one time it was with a colorist where I said, the artist just gave me all 22 pages of the comic. It has to go to print in two days, which means I need the coloring done when I come into the office tomorrow morning, 22 pages. Yeah. And you know, I, I got, he got it done. <laughs> it was not his finest work, but I didn't expect it to be. Um, and I owed him one because it was going to be my butt if that thing didn't go out. The right. Door. Yeah. So yeah, these things happen. Um, and they're a lot, they're a lot easier to deal with when you have a relationship with the person you're asking for, but yeah, do your best not to get in that position. That's the best thing is to not get in that position where you need to ask those things. Well, like, like most episodes, uh, there's always a do unto others kind of aspect, I think <laughs> to, to uh, most endeavors, uh, but especially making comics. You got to think about the rest of the folks and, and how that pipeline works and, 
get it to get it to where it goes and works for everybody. Well, I think that's a good overview of just the <laughs> the management of time and workflow for lettering. Uh, there is a class coming up with Sean Reinhardt at Comics Experience, the introduction to lettering comics, and that kicks off in April and runs through May. It's a six-week online course, uh, much like most of the Comics Experience online courses where you can work with Sean and do your own lettering if that's something that you're interested in. Uh, you can learn about balloon placement. You can learn about the you know the, it's this, the same kind of idea as a lot of other comics experience stuff where your uh, classes where you're going through and you're doing an eight page comic book story that you're lettering so you not only get to you know come away having lettered a thing but it's getting down into the uh the just over overall basics of comic book lettering so if you need an introduction i know that is coming up yeah, and Sean really is a phenomenal letterer, and he's um, as it he's he's taught the class twice now, and um, he uh, it turns out, which I mean, it's not like I didn't interview him and, and give him some tests, but it turns out he's an excellent teacher as well. Um, so I really recommend the class; it's really fantastic. Um, but I would also say this: it starts on April 11th. I would encourage you if you want to take this class, which is a great class to take, and if you're like a writer. It can save you a ton of money if, you, if you're good enough to letter your own work. But um, I would try and sign up before the 1st of April, not as a joke, but uh, because it is already over halfway full. Uh, and we tend to have a rush like those last two weeks. So I would definitely try and sign up a little bit early if you can. Gotcha. Excellent. Well, if you have any questions, you can email info at comicsexperience.com. You can find Comics Experience online all the time at comicsexperience.com, and you can go and check out what's coming on from CEX Publishing. Uh, CEX Publishing is on social media and also at cexpublishing.com. All right, well, until next time, keep making comics.